political commentators at the moment, uh, or at uh, today, Dale Husband and Tim Hurdle. Uh, kia ora korua, welcome both and thanks for your time. It's good to talk to you again. Lovely to have you with us, Dale. Dale is a long-time broadcaster and radio wātea presenter, hosting a Māori-focused current affairs programme. Tim Hurdle is former National Senior Advisor, was the National Party Campaign Director in 2020, Director of several companies, including Museum Street Strategies, a public affairs firm. Shall we begin? I mean, it's, it's not a... It's not an election campaign that's yielding a whole lot of breaking news, let's face it. In fact, I think that is one of the main frustrations people are having with it. Uh, But there was something along those lines this morning. The national leader and the National Party finally confirming that if it has to work with Winston Peters in New Zealand first, it will. Now, is that a statement of the obvious, Tim? We have seen former leaders take a more aggressive, strategic aggressive stance, was that open to Christopher Luxon or not? Um, well, I think it probably reflects the fact of him positioning himself for post-election coalition talks. He will be looking at the polls and um, even if it was a National Act government and as a majority coalition, they won't have a large margin of votes. They wouldn't be over 61 or 63 votes. It would be sort of on the on the margin. So therefore, he's got to look to see what else he can find in terms of support. There's a lot of um, big challenges for the next government, managing the fiscal situation, putting the books back in order and, and dealing with some of those challenges. So having as many options and um, governance arrangements as you can, as John Key tried to do with the Maori Party and even the Greens, is pretty smart. So that's that's why he's doing that. The difference with John Key is he did this very early from memory in election year as well. He came out of the out of the box early and said there's no way we're working with New Zealand first. If um if we have to work with them you'll have a different government. Uh and he probably just have the had the had the chutzpah perhaps to carry it off as a technique to yeah. build nationals vote. It's too late for Christopher Luxon to even hope uh, to to replicate that. He now needs the big as yeah. all parties do, the biggest party vote he can get. Yeah, Key, Key was trying to hold um, over 40%, trying to hold his vote together. Um, Luxon doesn't have that luxury. He was trying to keep the strength in his his party vote, keep the party vote. But it's apparent now that um, uh, that he's not in that position. He's not argue, arguing about, as Key was sometimes in the late 40s or mid 40s, trying to hold that together. It's now about trying to make sure he gets over and gets into coalition agreements with a, with a good solid block, but also has options on the other side of the election. Dale, what what do you make of the significance of this? We have seen in at least three major polls of late New Zealand first above the 5% threshold. There have been some others that have got it just under. A lot of this will perhaps depend, as it will for every party, on turnout. Um, and um, But there's no question, uh, is there, that, that National finally had to address the fact that New Zealand first was realistically at that threshold. Yeah, and Winston Peters is uh, such a charismatic character, and you know he's uh, he's not smug, but he he certainly has been pulling big crowds up and down the country. And the news through from uh, the national leader that he had prepared to work with Winston should come as no surprise. But of course, uh, many parties are, are doubting whether or not that would be a workable combination. Winston, on the other hand, well, he doesn't uh, like talking about polls. You've probably noted that with him too, Catherine. And really, it's just a, a reminder of how fascinatingly close this election could be. 
Um, certainly, Winston has some bottom lines that he wants, whether or not the personal relationship that he establishes with Chris Luxon is workable. Uh, many doubt that. So um, an interesting but not unexpected uh, commentary today about uh, the willingness to work with New Zealand First Bank, Chris Luxon. What's fascinating really uh, still at this stage is, uh, and from the Māori perspective, look, uh, there's so many undecided voters. There's a major disconnect with rangatahi uh, to the system. There are many questions being asked about the way that the whole uh, electoral uh, opportunity or voting opportunity is structured, very little Māori input, and there are not too many parties who are pitching for a young vote. So another of the untold stories is just how that Māori vote will pan out, and uh, there are a lot of question marks too about the efficacy of the polling system. I spoke with Tamahiri earlier in the day. He said that they're in the process of setting up a company to poll Māori intent more accurately, and really I don't think that any of the major polling companies have been able to put their finger on which way the Māori vote will go. Yeah, Winston's uh, back into the mix, Catherine, but uh, still unsure of what that Māori vote will mean and how the numbers will fall on October 14th. Uh, let's talk about the undecided vote in general. And I know you've been doing uh, some um, uh, work on this, Tim. Um, first, is it is there a particularly soft vote at the moment? I thought the so-called undecided vote had reduced a little, as one might expect as time progresses. We must point out that this is different from turnout. Turnout is mm. all about those who've indicated a preference but then don't get out of bed on the morning or don't make the effort they've got for two whole weeks to lodge a vote. But if we talk about the undecideds as it's turning up in the polls, how big is it at the moment, and and what are we what insights do we have into it? Well, uh, in some ways, it's uh, not so much undecided as hesitant, um, and un and uncommitted would be other ways of sort of framing this. So, I um, I did a lot of work with um, Freshwater Strategy, which is an Australian polling firm, and we did um, publish some of the results of that in the in the Post newspaper. And, and that work was done, um, and field work was done in late August. And when, when we bit back, because it was such a large, large poll, because it was uh, 1,551 participants, we were able to get some good demographic clarity. And um, we went back and sort of looked at who the people who are what we call soft voters or hesitant voters and, and tried to create a profile. And the, like everything, this isn't... Um, um, very narrow. Those people w won't necessarily all, all look like this, but this is kind of more likely demographic factors, and that's sort of women over the age of 35 who probably voted for Ardern um, and Labor at the last election, very much on the uh, in the nature of supporting Jacinda Ardern. But those people are quite often now undecided and hesitant to vote for Luxon. Uh, they're often renters. They're usually on middle incomes and. They're more common in regional areas of the North Island, so we're talking about the Waikatos, the Taranakis, and they've quite often got people living at home. So they're pretty much, when you step back and think about that, the, the squeeze middle. Uh, that is those people who are under pressure from rising mortgage rates and from inflation on the household budget. So that, those are the people that are uh, unsure what they're going to do at the election because they haven't necessarily um, been convinced by national but know that they're not very sure that they want to vote for Labour. To the question of um, turnout, Dale, and you talked about that level of uh, disengagement with rangatahi, uh, we know that um, uh, a significant proportion of the Māori population skews younger than the, than the general population. There are some 
lively stuff happening though. It was interesting that the smaller party debate, much more energetic than the, the leaders, arguably. Um, and we saw that kind of That's chemistry right. between the Greens co-leader Marama Davidson and Te Pāti Māori um, co-leader Debbie Ngariba Packer. Are you seeing any indications that, whether it's in specific electorates or whether it is more generally, there's you know any kind of energy building or is it is there a similar vibe? Dale, can you hear me? Oh, we seem to have lost him. Are you still there, Dale? You haven't muted yourself, have you? Um, we'll just check if we can reconnect with Dale. Sorry, you haven't muted yourself, Dale, have you? No, we've lost him. Okay, let's uh, talk about the, um, the the two debates that we've seen this week. Tim, uh, the leaders head to head. We were talking last week about whether this was a big opportunity, particularly for the underdog, uh, Chris Hipkins, to try and come out of the blocks perhaps and make some ground. We actually know that um, Christopher Luxon dominated in terms of the sheer volume of words spoken. Did you learn anything? Yeah. You know, did it, did it deliver anything? Um, no, it sort of felt like dueling talking points to me. Um, it wasn't really so much... Um, an argument um, where there were any points of difference, they were um, quite minor, um, and there wasn't anyone attempting to go for the for the zinger. Um, it's interesting to sort of notice how much Labor's moving into opposition mode um, already. They're, they're running a lot of lines that are about attacking national. I suspect that that's about trying to motivate their base, um, base voter to turn out, uh, and thinking too uh, about where. We saw Lux. We, we we saw Hipkins go after the debate. He was trying to get into that Central North Island um, undecided vote to try and shore those people up who are unsure about voting for national. So I don't think we learned a hell of a lot from the debates, but we're learning a bit from where the party's rhetoric um, is about how they think those elections are going. Right, let's bring in Dale. Sorry, something's gone wrong with our Zoom. Welcome back on the phone, Dale. Um, we're talking yeah. about the debates. We'll come back to the smaller party debate in the moment and and uh, the engagement or otherwise of, of Māori electorate voters. But what did you make of that first head-to-head between Luxon and uh, Hipkins? Were you anticipating a more aggressive effort by Hipkins to rest back some, rest back some ground? Yeah, absolutely I was. And I think it served as something of a political sedative for those who wanted to... You know, experience the cut and thrust of politics, Catherine. It was a fairly uh, dour sort of approach, I thought, from both, and they didn't exactly seize the moment and start talking about the uh, the importance. It was courteous and put together. As mentioned before, these guys are they're decent uh, characters, quite personable, both of them. Uh, Chippy can connect, and I think most uh, Māori voters recognise his experience. Here's what uh, 14 or so years at it. And uh, with Chris Luxon, he too uh, comes across okay. But in that uh, situation, I don't think either of them really stood up and showed their charismatic qualities. People want leaders who are, uh, you know, bold and can uh, really nail their points. So, you know, it just sort of meandered along. The uh, the smaller parties debate soon after was, was much better with uh, a, a lot of Ribbing uh, and the combination there between the Greens and Te Pāti Māori representatives again reminds us that that centre-left bloc has uh, some potential and some experience. What, what we also should note too is that all four of them had Papa Māori with Winston and Debbie Marama and David. So 
you know, a, a sort of heavy time in New Zealand politics in that sense. But uh, I think that, uh, the, you know, the leaders of the main parties could do well to just uh, put a little bit more pizzazz in their delivery, uh, just meandering along somewhat. Yeah, so they, they uh, will look to improve next time around. I was talking earlier about whether there was um, what, what sort of vibe is being picked up a, amongst Māori electorate voters or Māori voters to the, to the extent that, that it's able to be uh, detected. And, I mean, you just made the point, all four of those uh, smaller party co-leaders on the stage, um, Whakapapa Māori, um, and, you know, the energy and the kind of the... Um, um, connection between Marama Davidson and the party Māori leader, there being Ngariwa Packer, was, was kind of infectious and obvious and didn't look fake. But what what are you seeing by means of engagement with the election um, amongst Māori voters, particularly Māori electorate voters? Well, it's again, a little bit uh, like what we experienced with the uh, uh, situation with the COVID vaccination uh, co that, that spread, you know, six months uh, a year ago. And the messaging to our Māori electorate needed to be different. We've got a very youthful population. Many of them haven't studied civics, which is another reason why we need to uh, focus on this as we grow up through our schooling system and the uh, role of voting. I mean, if you've been marginalised, struggling to get a job, uh, you know, you've grown up in a family that's been constantly touched by unemployment and difficulty, it's very hard for you, therefore, to turn around and say, I'm going to support the system that has subjugated people for so long. So there is a major disconnect. I get the sense that the Greens and Te Party Māori have recognised that. They've looked at the Māori demographic. And really, the challenge for the Māori vote is for those influences within the whānau dynamic to speak to our young people and to remind them that their vote is as worthy as that of the richest man in the country. And so just getting that message across about the importance of voting is vital. But in there lies the, uh, the real challenge. Um, we've got Winston, who says he's a very proud Māori man. And even though some of the rhetoric we're hearing from him and from Seymour at times uh, looks to disestablish what many see as positive Māori initiatives in the last little while, the establishment of Te Akawhai Order, the Three Waters co-governance regime, the uh, reality is that uh, they, uh, too, would stand and say, we're looking for the betterment of Māori, but we're we're travelling down a different path and a different political ideology. Most of our people are comfortable with that. When I spoke with Luxon earlier today, he says he wants to see more cross-party collaboration. And I think Māori voters are looking for that. You know, less of the adversarial battling against each other and, and everything that the opposition do is unworthy. I think... The Māori way is to have different political ideologies, but to find some way to collectively work together. So a more collaborative approach, I think, is what Māori voters are after. At the moment, the polling doesn't accurately reflect the intent of what's going to happen in two weeks' time. So still very much a question mark, Catherine, on to which way those Māori votes will fall. Yeah, uh, interesting. Now that we're all talking about cooperating, now that it looks like uh, we might have to <laughs> with multiple parties, um, but potentially... Uh, because, you know, only two or three weeks ago, Dale, we were talking about Māori feeling like a political football again. Back to that um, head-to-head debate, Tim, what surprised me, I recall the 2005 Clark versus Brash debate, and uh, Don Brash, of course, had brought um, National back again from the brink of oblivion and and got it within a whisker, perhaps, uh, of becoming government. 
she just launched, forget the format, forget niceties, she just launched, but it was fact-heavy. It was it was uh, fact-heavy, it was policy-heavy, and it was, you know, you're a risk-heavy stuff. Um, Hipkins just looked reactive to everything and just not having the boxing gloves on. We'll see what happens next time um, if, the, if, this, if this time for it to have an impact. Uh, look, just yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I just um, it's kind of reflective of um, the um, election hasn't been a big debate about um, long term issues or no, um, even perhaps about Labour track, track record. So that's kind of I think why we ended up there. Uh, just looking at the economics of it. A week ago, of course, it was all National being um, uh, persistently questioned and fairly so for for its tax policy after it had been significantly undermined by a number of of um, creditable economists from across the political spectrum. They just did not accept the revenue side of that equation. We're still waiting for that fiscal plan. X came out with some adjustments made this week um, and it, it, as a result of, of the um, government opening of the books. What can we expect when that fiscal plan finally does come out from National, uh, Tim? And is it waiting as long as it possibly can, hoping half the votes are cast? Um, I would have thought that um, there's some big challenges in trying to match up um, with some of the promises that have been made in the current economic situation. The fiscal situation has been in decline. Um, you know, even in the last wee while, we've seen the 10-year government bond rate go up to 5.2%. We've got um, pressures on uh, inflation staying around. So the rosy economic forecasts that were in the budget um, haven't resulted and um, National's promises have probably been built around that. So then having to square that circle against what that information has come through becomes a lot more difficult um, and that's probably uh, uh, leading some choices that are, are harder to sell to the How much is riding on it? They've got such a hard time over the revenue side of that tax package and then doubled down and said, we're keeping it, we're keeping it, we're keeping it. Um, I mean, you've seen one or two commentators saying, actually, they should probably be having a mini-budget before Christmas if if, if they become the government. But, you know, is there a risk that even quite late in the piece, there's similar focus on the fiscal plan saying, you know, the old show me the money and you cannot do this without cuts in real terms to services? How much is riding on it when it comes out? Well, I think it's almost got to the point where um, the public doesn't care about it. Um, we've heard that um, the fiscal whole story so many times now. National's proven with its um, approach to its costings on its tax plan um, that it can just keep punching through that that discussion, and it doesn't seem to be impacting on them in the polls. So, so the counter argument might be that maybe it doesn't matter that much at all. Um, well, not That's now. That's just one way looking at it. <laughs> not before the election. No, and late. Dale, um, it was an interesting thing just when we were conversing um, <clears throat> during the week, the point that the GDP figures were a bit better than expected and, you know, maybe, maybe inflation's peaked, although it's still sticking around. And, and this idea that, you know, uh, things are on the turn. People, many people, not even noticing that the current account deficit is slightly better. It's there weekly incoming and their weekly outgoings that they're focused on, Dale, and many, so many people are feeling it. Oh, that's absolutely right, Catherine. And, you know, it's one thing to talk about GDP and international pressures on monetary availability, etc. It's, uh, it's been poor that there's been these constant suggestions through media outlets of the uh, uh, recession that we're engulfed in turned out not to be a reality at all. But there can be vested interests from various media outlets to a change of government 
And so you've got to factor that in. But you're quite right. And for many of our young Māori voters and those who've just got kids and are raising families trying to get out into the uh, onto the housing market, again, the plummeting nature of Māori home ownership isn't alleviated by the construction of 6,000 new pāngā ora, whare. I mean, that uh, might be OK for the renters, but our people are still struggling to get into their own warm, safe houses. And uh, as far as the uh, economy is concerned, look, economists can talk up and down and, um, you know, some say, oh, look, we've got through the worst of it. But as you're saying, for for mum and dad and uh, those who are uh, struggling to get food on the table for their kids, that's more important to them. And some of the small uh, issues that we're seeing, speed limits uh, being raised, etc., and uh, immigration settings being altered, you know, Māori, look at uh, the numbers of people who are coming into our country. There seems to be hell-bent on growth, economic growth at all costs, where you know, the society that many have grown up and treasured has been compromised by the amount of new people that are arriving. And so you know, some of the political parties need to realise that votes are going to be cast too, not just on the economic outlook, uh, but on the uh, social and environmental and educational issues the various parties have going into this uh, election. I don't think that the international finance situation is the catalyst uh, yeah. for Māori voting trends. And um, and so uh, the decisions are going to be made on a more down-home basis, I think. Catherine. And Dale, that really marries up with something that Tim said, which is that there's this no long-termism even being discussed anywhere in this campaign. It could not be any more short-termism. And the silence was deafening, wasn't it? Even as Queenstown has put on a boiled water notice, and yes, they haven't found the exact source um, of this cryptosporidium outbreak, but the concession is there, even from the council itself, that water is the key suspect. And we're finding that it is lacking infrastructure it ought to have for a town growing at that pace. You can't get the leaders to talk about it. You did not have Chris Hipkins saying affordable water reforms are what we need. Um, you you did not, interestingly, have National coming out on it either because people will turn around and say, OK, what are you going to do about the billions and billions of dollars of infrastructure upgrades needed? They were both silent, Tim. In fact, I think they shoved out some other poor number two to speak instead. Yeah, you know, they, they, they sort of um, yeah. pulled their heads in, didn't they? Sorry to inter- interrupt you, Tim. Yeah, it, it became about co-governance, didn't it? And, uh, and Hipsens thought it was a hot topic, so they changed the name. Uh, of course, it was dismissed right from the get-go, too, from National because of that. Uh, and, you know, that's disheartening for Māori voters again. Right when it is absolutely needed, and there is no more striking example than what the residents of Queenstown are doing, and the many thousands of tourists who come expecting a first-class tourism experience and instead get a third-class infrastructural uh, experience. Something's got to be done about it, and uh, both of the parties really haven't prioritised it in their uh, political uh, rhetoric heading to the polls. And Tim, will they not go there uh, national either? They don't want to end up debating this either. It'll just be a, a, another silent kind of topic in the room while we, you know, go around patting goats and making ice creams and all the other stuff that's going on at the moment in stage media. Yeah, well, with the cost of living such a dominant issue and the pressure on people's um, household budgets, that, that long-term issues that are getting pushed out of the um, out of the agenda because people just aren't listening. Um, I just wanted to quickly come back to that GDP number, though. Um, I think it was important to notice, um, I was reading the Westpac analysis, that 
um, while we've had that headline economic growth, there's been no growth in GDP per capita this year, <laughs> and they they attribute yeah. that um, as as a real factor for consumer business confidence. Well, we've been so there before, just haven't we? Much, we've been there before yeah, with, and people with feel GDP poor, driven by right? immigration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People okay. feel poor, and that's only. But those long-term immigration issues do impact on long-term infrastructure issues, and that's going to be a big problem for the next government to look at. Yeah, thank you both very much, Dale Husband and Tim Hurdle.